1: The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 said Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Because of Christ's exaltation to the Father's right hand, He is a perpetual source of blessing for His people.
0: You know, I've listened to that several times and it is continually hard for me to believe how incredibly wonderful that is. Christ is interceding on our behalf. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse as Pastor Layton continues to take us through the book of Colossians. He's in the third chapter, and I'm so glad you've joined us for today's broadcast. I'm Mike Trout, and uh, we're on the web at studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com.
1: Jesus put it this way, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He also told his followers, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Paul here is saying, your heart should be set on things above. Well this then begs the question, how do we seek those things which are above? And Paul answers that question in the next verse. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Habitually set your mind, your attention on things above, not on things of the earth. In other words, we must not only seek heaven, we need to think heaven. Not only seek heaven, but think heaven. Now our feet must continue here on earth, but our mind should be in heaven, if you will. Looking at our life here from a heavenly perspective, He's not suggesting, as D.L. Moody used to say, we become so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But rather that we conduct ourselves every day from a perspective that comes from pleasing God who is in heaven. An eternal perspective. We see life and this world from heaven's point of view. We see it from an eternal point of view. And when we do that, what matters in this world is going to be affected. Now, on what things are believers to set their minds? Well, Paul gives us a description of what, how we should set our minds in uh, his letter to Philippians. He says, finally, beloved, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Now, we can't control what comes into our minds. As we're watching television, a commercial pops up. As we're driving down the road, a billboard pops up. Those things come into our minds. We can't control what comes into our minds, but we can control what our minds choose to think about. And that's what he's talking about here. Choose to think about things that are true and noble and pure and so forth. It affects how we perceive things. Like, for instance, money. It affects uh, our our perception of money. We now see money as a means of doing God's will instead of just something we accumulate for our own agendas and our own pleasure. It means uh, how we choose relationships, and particularly relationship with a spouse. We choose a spouse who shares our desire to know and love and serve Christ. We don't get fascinated by cars and clothes and such things. And we want to please God and honor God in all we do. And God is honored when we do whatever it is that we do with excellence. And so we endeavor to do everything we do with excellence. And God himself is our model for this. In Genesis, there's only two chapters that describe all of creation. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Everything in there is important. And if it's said more than once, it's really important. And there's something said in Genesis chapter 1 that's repeated a number of times. "It It was good. 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 And what God did at the end of the days of creation, stepped back, looked at His work, and said, hmm, it is good. Or, if I can paraphrase it this way, hmm, I do good work. God took pride in His work. We should do work in such a fashion that we can take pride in our work as our Heavenly Father does. At the end of every day, we should be able to step back from our day, look at our work, and say, hmm, it was good. I did good work. Because we believe that excellence uh, honors God. It says, set your minds on things that are above. And the word here for set is an ongoing decision. We must continually discipline ourselves to focus on the eternal realities. And an effort is required because it's not Natural, it doesn't come automatic to us. The, this world is filled with distractions to keep our attention from spiritual things and focused on physical things. This world is filled with distractions. My dad's mind was always set towards heaven. You know And someone would ask him, "Hey, pastor, how you doing?" You know what his reply often was. "I'm one day closer to heaven." I'm one day closer to heaven he was always thinking about heaven and now he's there You know, as I go through my day I am constantly aware of heaven of eternity and that's particularly accentuated whenever I attend or perform a funeral or memorial because every time I go to one I'm reminded one day it's going to be my turn when a loved one passes, and we've had so many of our people pass, it focuses our mind on things that are eternal. When we go through the day and we're dealing with the struggles and the disappointments of this world, it focuses our mind on the eternal. As I get older and I realize how fragile this world is, and all you've got to do is listen to a few minutes of the news and you are reminded of that, and how fragile I am. It focuses my attention on things that are eternal. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things of this world. He's already given us some. He talked about legalistic rituals and false methods to achieve holiness and those. He's going to tell us some more in the passage to follow. But by saving faith, believers have entered a new dimension and we possess eternal life. And eternal is not merely endless existence but that there's a life of vitality a purpose a satisfaction that is found in Christ and as a result we have an obligation and that obligation is described by the apostle Paul in Romans 6 he said so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So this new life that we are given is real, it's powerful but so is that Sin that remains in our members that the Apostle Paul describes in Romans chapter 7. And although it is not our master, it doesn't have dominion over us, it can still overpower us if we are not regularly, daily, hourly, by the minute, presenting ourselves to God as servants of righteousness. Set our minds on things above. You notice it talks about the right hand of God. And you remember that one of the things that the Apostle Paul is addressing are these false teachers that are diminishing Christ. And Paul describes him as at the right hand of God. It's a metaphor for the place of supreme privilege and divine authority. The right hand of God is, is a theme that we find throughout Scripture. For instance, in Psalm 110.1 it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Jesus told the accusers at his trial, From now on the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. On the day of Pentecost, Peter told the crowd that Jesus had been exalted to the right hand of God. When Peter and the apostles were dragged before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter uh, 5, they said that Jesus was the one whom God exalted to his right hand. When Stephen was being martyred in Acts chapter 7, he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Paul describes Jesus as he who God raised from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 1. The author of Hebrews says of Christ, When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then continues, because we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. The apostle Peter said he is the one who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. The apostle Paul in Romans 8 said Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Because of Christ's exaltation to the Father's right hand, He is a perpetual source of blessing for His people. Verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so here Paul stresses the reason for living uh, in the heavenlies and it is to be the norm for us believers. And the reason is because we have died to this worldly system. Have died is in the past tense. If you're a Greek person, it's in the aorist tense. It happened at a point in history. In Christ's death, all believers died. And he has this phrase, and your life is hidden with Christ in God.
0: Well, we've run out of time for today's broadcast, and we'll pick up with more on that particular thought as Pastor Leighton Sheely, the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, returns with another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of the church on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Information about Church of the Highlands is at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Always glad that you've joined us. Remember how important it is that uh, you share the fact that we're on the air with your friends. Get the word out in that way. And also um, help us with your prayers and your financial support, if possible, when you go to that website, studyversebyverse.com. You can give safely and let us know that you listen. That's so important. Have a great rest of your day and uh, join us tomorrow at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of Colossians and study verse by verse.